The 28th edition of the Flushing's Finest podcast starts right now. Little roller up along first, behind the back, it gets through Buckner, here comes Knight and the Mets win it! Lopez wants it away. And it's hit deep to left center, Andrew Jones on the run, this one has a chance, home run, Mike Piazza, and the Mets lead 3-2! to And welcome to another edition of the Flushing Finest Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services and a member of the Shea Hello Media Network. Josh and Ashton, we're back with you guys today. I'm going to recap the homestand that the Mets just completed where they actually won two of the three series that they uh, they hosted. Um, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about some of the, the big takeaways, how our viewership has changed with the Mets being well out of the playoff race. And then we're going to discuss Pete Alonso's future as a New York Mets, something that's been a really big topic around the team really since the trade deadline came and went. But before we do any of that, we start every edition, as we always do, with On This Day in Mets History. And on this day in 1973, Willie Mays, the Say Hey Kid, hit his 660th and final home run of his career at the time of his retirement. Willie Mays ranked third all-time on the home run list behind only Babe Ruth and Hank Aaron. And then on this day, just a year ago, Brett Beatty, a member of the Baby Mets, homered on his first swing of his major league career in a game against the Atlanta Braves, becoming just the fifth Met ever to hit a home run in his first uh, big lead at bat uh, with the club. So um, that's a look back at some of the best moments on this day in Mets history. Let's dive into um, this homestand where, you know, the Mets take two or three from the Cubs, a team that's battling for their playoff lives. They lost three or four to Atlanta, which is no surprise. The Braves are uh, the best team in baseball. And then they took two or three um, from Pittsburgh, after they won the rubber game yesterday afternoon at City Field. And, you know, if you would have told me against uh, a team with the playoff hopes and the the Chicago Cubs and then having to host the Braves, that the Mets would still go 5-5 five and five across the homestand, I don't think I would complain. Um, I expected to lose 2-3 of three to Chicago. I expected to lose three of or at least 3-4. of four um, to Atlanta, which they did. Kodai Sango won on Sunday night baseball to avoid the first four-game sweep of, of by Atlanta since 2008. And then then beating Pittsburgh, not not a big surprise, but I think what's really frustrating is that the Mets lost two of three earlier in the year to Pittsburgh before the trade deadline. And so now a lesser version of themselves, the Mets win this series. That's That's kind of frustrating in a lot of different ways. Uh, what did you take away from a 10-game homestand that saw the Mets go 5-5? Five and five? 
Um, we saw some promising out outings from young players like DJ Stewart had a two home run game yesterday. But overall, I thought it was just a really solid homestand. Like you said, I was satisfied not to get swept by the Braves. And then just beating the beating the Cubs and Pirates was just overall satisfying. I mean, for a for a season that hasn't had very many bright spots, I actually see this home span homestand as a as a as a bright spot in the in what has otherwise been a pretty down year. Yeah, I mean, I, I think a bright spot might be too far of a stretch because they're so far below five hundred. You, you you take away uh, really the first game of the doubleheader on Saturday against the Braves. It was rather enjoyable, watchable baseball, and that's something that we haven't really experienced um, since the trade deadline came and went. As the Mets had the second worst record in baseball since the trade deadline. Um, but, you know, you win a series against a Cub team that, um, like I mentioned, was fighting for its playoff lives. Um, you know, you get a win on Sunday Night Baseball as Kodai Singa continues to be the best pitching option the current rotation has to offer. And after he gave up three runs in the first inning, you thought, here you, here we go again. But he settled in and, and, and gave the Mets a winning effort. And then you take two or three from the Pirates. And like you mentioned, DJ Stewart. Um, had had two home runs uh, in yesterday's game. You're seeing some of these these guys that are, are really just roster fillers kind of step up and produce um, in this makeshift lineup where you don't really have a lot of high expectations. And, um, it, you know, I, I think the biggest thing is that, you know, if they would have went five and five in this stretch pre-trade deadline, you're probably frustrated, right? My viewership since the since, – since they, they, they sold off David Robertson, Max Scherzer, Justin Verlander, Mark Canna, Tommy Pham, since they sold everybody off, has changed. I'm not saying that I'm not watching. I'm still watching every game. But before the deadline, because you had the highest payroll in baseball with World Series expectations, you were living and dying with every pitch. Now that's not the case. They're 10 games below 500. They're eight games out of a wild card spot, so they're not going to the postseason. Right now, the joy is getting to watch a guy like Mark Vientos, who's playing every day with Brett Beatty back in AAA, really shine at that third base spot. Uh, he's made an, a couple of nice defensive plays at the bag, and you could see him progressing as a hitter. You've still got your stalwarts and Pete Alonzo, who we'll talk about in a minute, Francisco Lindor, Brandon Nimmo. Uh, your leaders of your clubhouse still showing up to work every day. It doesn't appear to me that they've they've given up and, and, and they've quit on the year despite the front office basically punting on this year and potentially uh, next year as well. And so um, and, and I also think the best part, more so than anything, and this is something that as Met fans we've gotten used to over the years, you know, when you have the booth that the Mets have with you know, the baseball men like Gary Cohen, Keith Hernandez, Ron Darling, they're great storytellers. Well, with the new pitch clock and everything, not a whole lot of time to tell stories. But when you've got a team that's not in playoff contention, that are running out dudes that you'll never see in a Met uniform again, it's easier for them to tell stories while they're still keeping you up to tabs on what's going on on the field. So has your viewership changed? Or are you, uh, are you still hurting yourself mentally by being locked in and living and dying with every pitch? 
I'd say, I'd say it's changed a little bit because my expectations aren't as high. Like, I'm no longer looking for, like, a base hit from a guy like, you know, like, say, Mark Vientos, for instance. Like, if the if there's, um if, like, say there's first and third one out, I'm no longer looking for a base hit. I'm looking for a productive at-bat. That's how I that's how I think that um my viewership has changed, that my expectations have kind of been lowered. And and I guess it has kind of changed my viewership. I get you're right, I'm not living and dying with every pitch anymore. But I mean, the expectations are lowered for this team. And it is kind of cool to go out there and see guys like DJ Stewart uh go out and smack two home runs in the game. And, or maybe even a Jonathan Arauz, who hasn't even um, who hasn't really performed that well, but he hit a home run in one of the games uh, the other day. So just it's cool to see these guys who are getting their chance in the major leagues um, go out there and they're playing every day. Jonathan Arauz made a beautiful play at third base the other day. So just seeing these guys doing the, these things, it's it's really fun to watch, actually. And that's something that we really haven't seen much of this year. Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing is that it's not uh, it's not stressful. And um, you know, when 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 that's when that's happening or when or when that's not happening, you know, um it, it it does make for a much more enjoyable experience. So let's let's get now to the real the real talking point of the episode, which is Pete Alonso's future, um, which is is really up in the air. Um, you know, when you look at the fact that this was a guy that was made available at the trade deadline, um, and the, the the asking price was too high for the Mets to 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 move him. Um, he's set to be a free agent at the end of next year. He hit his thirty sixth home run in yesterday's win. Uh, so he's on tax to have another 40 home run season despite missing roughly two weeks or so of action. And, you know, there's a lot of worries around the team that they're not going to be competitive next year because when they traded away Max Scherzer, you know, Billy Epler said, hey, we're not going to really try to win again, again until 2025. I don't fully buy that. I think the Mets were done with Max Scherzer. They needed to say what they needed to say to get him to waive his no trade clause. You tell, you tell a veteran pitcher, hey, we're not going to try to win. That's going to get the job done. You know, because when you've got the investments in Lindor, Nemo, Edwin Diaz, I still think it's going to be hard to not field a competitive team because you're paying those guys big bucks to to be part of a winning ball club. Should Steve Cohen go ahead and extend him this offseason? Or, you know, if the Mets are really going into rebuild or reset mode, should they maybe be willing to move him next year or just lose him in free agency altogether? Uh, this is this is really tough because I want to see him back in the Met uniform. We all do. He's probably he he's one of the better first basemen. He's probably the best first baseman we've had, um, or one of the best since Keith Hernandez. So I just I I, I really don't know. I want to see him extended, but I just. I wouldn't be shocked if we didn't extend him. You see what I'm saying? So like if we if if we did let him go, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, to me this isn't really hard at all. Um he's the best home run hitter in the National League. 
You could argue since uh, he became a major league player, his home runs would tell you he's the best home run hitter in baseball. Um, he's the first true number four hitter this franchise has ever had. You mentioned he's not probably the best first baseman since Keith Hernandez. He is the best first baseman um, since Keith Hernandez. If Steve Cohen doesn't pay him and doesn't keep him around for the long term, Steve Cohen's no better than the Wilpons. He, because you just become a type of owner that is going to bring in great players and not keep great players. Um, now, the Wilpons was because they were too cheap. Steve Cohen, money isn't an issue. He's got more money than he knows to do. That's why he bought a baseball team for cash. Um, and, and, and so I, I, I don't really see how you could justify moving on from Pete Alonso. I think the worry is, is that if you don't, if you don't pay him this off season and he goes into next year, which could be a walk year, like Aaron Judge to, did two years ago, Aaron Judge hit 62 home runs. He bet on himself. He got a nine-year, $360 million-something-dollar contract um, with the Yankees. I'm not against giving Pete Alonzo a big deal, but, you know, if he if he bets on himself and he wins – you might be in a situation where you lose him in free agency. Everybody forgets that the the Giants offered Aaron Judge more money, um, but you know, wearing that uniform, being the captain, that that kind of won him over. Pete Alonso loves being a Met. Um, you know, Tampa Bay is they've never been known to go out and spend big on free agents, um, but you know, he's from the Florida area. They paid Wander Franco a pretty big contract. There's a very good chance Wander Franco never plays Major League Baseball again as a way to maybe repair their public image. They could bring a guy like Pete Alonso back home to Florida, and maybe he's the missing piece to um, that, that, that organization winning a World Series championship. You would have to imagine that other teams like the Giants, who were in on Aaron Judge, would be in on a guy like Pete Alonzo. And so I frankly just don't want them to run the risk. He's he's my favorite everyday player. Um, you know, he's been as productive as anybody in baseball, uh, hitting the long ball since he came up in 2019. So there's really no way to justify not paying him. But one of the biggest reasons why there is this conversation is You've got talking heads up in New York like Sal Licata that thinks he's the biggest issue with the clubhouse, that he's not a he's not a team guy. You know, there was a report that came out when DeGrom was was still with the organization and he had to tell Pete Alonso it's the New York it's the it's the New York Mets, not the New York Pete's. Do you get the sense that Pete Alonso is a me first guy and not a team first guy? Because I don't agree with that. I see a guy that all he wants to do is win, whether he's hitting home runs or not. These reports are absolutely ridiculous. There, There is nothing that indicates that Pete Alonso is a me-first player. He is nothing but – he is at, well, he is everything but a me-first player. And you see it every day. He's out there. He's fighting hard. He's trying to win for the team. So I, I don't like these reports at all, and I'm – Willing to bet that Pete Alonso would um, would uh, just turn those down in a heartbeat, and I'm sure his teammates would too. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I know he's done the thing where you know after a, a big win, he 
He dropped the F-bomb in a post-game interview, which drew some criticism. Um, he does some actions with the guardrail and the dugout that people criticize. He's definitely a unique dude. He's an oddball. Um, but I, when I when I think of the Mets with no Scherzer, no Verlander, Edwin Diaz hurt, I think of Pete Alonzo. I think of him before I think of Francisco Lindor. I think of him before I think of Brandon Nimmo. And I think of him before I think of Edwin Diaz. And to see that guy potentially put up the type of numbers he's put up and then either be traded away or not or not brought back. I, I think I could probably live with them trading him away more than just not paying him. Because I think if you trade him away, you're really buying into it's going to be 25, more like 2026, for this team is going to have its eyes set on you know, winning a division title, getting to the NLCS, let alone winning the World Series. Because money isn't an issue. You've got the means and the and the resources to pay him what the market is going to demand him. I would like to think that not investing in Brandon Nimmo and Edwin Diaz, guys that the Mets did needed to pay and, and, and rightfully did, those guys shouldn't stand in the way of you paying him his money. Um, and you, you're paying down the contracts of Scherzer and Verlander to not be here. Um, and when you're doing that type of stuff, I don't want money to become an issue and become a reason as to why, hey, we're not doing this or we're not doing that. Um, and, and so I think when it's all said and done, I think he's going to be a Met for life. I, the guy loves New York. I think he, I think he wants, you know, he wants the pressure of, of bringing a championship back to the city. I think he takes a lot of pride in being the first baseman he is, uh, which is something this organization has looked for since Keith Hernandez is. Time in New York came to an end. Um, and so even if it means he takes less money or whatever, I think as long as Steve Cohen does right by him, I think he'll do right by the Mets and stay here. I think even if he gets told, hey, we're probably going to take a year or two years to build back up to contending. When he came up, this team wasn't contending. So I think he's okay with playing on a quote-unquote non-contender as long as the effort is there that they're building towards and, uh, towards being a championship organization in the future just really quick uh before we get out on this edition of the podcast Mets and Cardinals they start a four-game series tonight Kodai Singa will be featured uh at some point in the series I don't think they released the the if we're going off the 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 math he should pitch um tomorrow night just expectations for you going into this four-game set against the Redbirds I honestly don't really know because it's on the road. Um, I would I would be fine with a uh, with a split here, but um, obviously you you hope for them to win the series. But I think a split is a reasonable expectation for this series. Um, if I'm remembering correctly from yesterday, they hadn't announced their pitcher for tomorrow, and it looks like they're going to give they may call somebody up from the minors for tomorrow, so to give Singa that extra day's rest. I don't know about that but um i do expect a split in this series anything less uh than that would be a disappointment for me yeah i mean i think if i think if they if they go down there and split how do you argue it right you know like yeah you're you're, you're gonna have your, your best chance to win is when kodai singa's on the mound you know this isn't the old bush stadium they they tore it down and rebuilt it but he's back in another safe haven in baseball and we have seen him when he goes to these some of these environments like wrigley field um, like Fenway Park, they, he's kind of gotten caught up in the moment, which is perfectly fine for a rookie. 
And I think it's great that playing in one of these historic venues kind of gets his emotions running. It means that he cares and loves the game, even though it's his first year over here in the United States. So, um, yeah, I mean, but, I'm the good, but the good news of Lasinga is recently when he's been going to these ballparks, he's found a way to settle down. So that's good. So maybe you give up maybe two or three runs in the first couple innings, but as long as he settles down and delivers a good productive outing, I won't be. I won't, it's not like I'm going to be frustrated. Yeah, me neither. So, um, then like like we talked about right at the onset, the best part about all of this is that our expectations are lowered. So if they lose, I'm only going to lose one hair instead of three, and I'm only going to throw one water bottle instead of five. And well, you're well, you're already running out of hairs to begin with. So I think you, uh, I think you should try to keep as many of those as you can. Yeah, that's same for you, Bucko. You keep looking in the mirror, you'll keep on getting bald. It runs in the family. Um, but all in all, you know, it's still going to be fun watching this team grow and develop as the season does move along. Well, this is going to wrap up this edition of the show, guys. Before we let you go, we do encourage you guys to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Uh, You can find us on every major podcasting platform. Most notably, we're on Apple and Spotify. Just search the Flushing's Finest Podcast, and we will pop up. We're we're there. We do encourage you guys, like I said, to rate, review, and subscribe. Uh, That way you don't miss any editions of the show throughout the remainder of the baseball season. Well, with that, guys, this is going to wrap up this edition of the show. want to thank Ashton once again for hosting with me. want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, let's go Mets.